Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. Hi, and welcome to episode 48, and it's a bonus interview and an interview with Pete Matthew, who you may remember joined us on episode 32. And Pete is the host of the Meaningful Money podcast, as well as a financial advisor with bags of experience in all things financial. Now, in the first episode, if you haven't listened to it, it's probably worth listening to that as a, a forerunner and a foundation to this episode because we it's almost like a building block because in that one, we talked about how do we get the basics right, the, sh- the, the reshaping of our finances to start to look at how we can direct our life in a particular direction. And in this episode, Pete um, comes back and we talk about building on that and building in particular in, around investments. How do we start to, what, what are some useful things to think about? about when we're looking to invest, particularly if we're perhaps leaving it to a little bit later in life or leaving, reviewing and refreshing our focus on investments to a little bit later on in that midlife. But also some surprising, actually, there's some things I didn't realize that um, we, simple things that we can do. So Pete shares some real useful insights into this, some, some takeaways as well. So on with the interview. I hope you enjoyed. Please let me know, Dave, at restlessmidlifer.com if you have any thoughts, feedback or questions. And uh, let's join Pete now. Hi and welcome to the Restless Midlifer and um, I'm delighted to have back with us Pete Matthew who joined us a few episodes ago and we talked about midlife finances. Hi Pete, how are you doing? I'm really good David, thank you, great to be back. I promised I'd come back and here I am. You did, you did. <laughs> and, uh, when you made the promise I wasn't going to let you off and in between we've had, I've had a, some great feedback about that show and some questions which I'll weave in as we go through the the, uh, the uh, discussion um, and I guess... I'm right, quite glad so- actually, I'm quite, I'm quite glad because if I'd have promised to come back and then I never heard from you, <laughs> that would have been embarrassing <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, um, uh, just, I, I guess, do you want to give us a quick whirl around your background and, and what have you? For yeah, those sure. who may not have listened to the, that podcast episode, I will put this, the episode number in the show notes. And I do suggest you listen to that because it's good, hopefully going to be a good foundation to this episode. Um, yeah. And then we can build on from it. So anyway, over to you, Pete. Yeah. Okay, man. So I'm... Um... Uh, Pete Matthew, I'm a chartered financial planner, which is just a fancy word for financial advisor, really. I um, co-own and manage a advice practice down in Penzance in West Cornwall, although my accent is from somewhere north of that. So I'm a Yorkshireman originally, but married a Cornish girl. So that's why I ended up down in Penzance. Uh, two grown-up daughters. And uh, 10, 11 years ago, I began a started as a hobby, a little project to sort of try and educate folks about how money works called Meaningful Money, um, which is a YouTube channel, started life as a YouTube channel, uh, then became a podcast and it's become a bit of a monster. So uh, we're sort of 450 podcast episodes down the line, uh, 500 odd videos and uh, millions of downloads and all that sort of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, exciting, exciting ride. But um, I, I sort of live to help people organize their finances to support their lives really because money's just a tool remember so that's the sort of core message but we'll get into that no doubt but uh, it's good to be back mate thank you for having me yeah great and yeah it is great and and as i said in the past that i came across you through podcasts i couldn't tell you what episode number but it was a few hundred back shall we say at least and it was the down to earth no nonsense advice and that 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 feeling of trust that was built over those episodes, which was really, really powerful and empowering for somebody who at that time was a midlifer who really didn't have a clue. And I'm, you know, I'm still learning. And I guess really just to kick things off, because the the first session was about, you know, where do we start, you know, in terms of getting to grips with our finances and starting to build a foundation. And as I say, go back to that episode if you haven't listened to it, because it's a great episode and it's a good building block really for this one. Um, we're going to talk, I guess, about investments because that's what you hinted at as something that we wanted to explore as potential, you know, as midlifers. Yeah. My first question, though, is should it be, where should I put my money, crypto or stepto? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know. That's what I want to know. Crypto or stepto? What stepto define? I don't as? know. But that's, that's oh, pretty much stuff. my knowledge of crypto or currencies and all of that. So that <laughs> betray me ignorance straight away. Okay. Well, probably. The rest of the conversation will provide some context to this, mm. but uh, crypto is very, very new, thus far untested. Right now, and well, since its inception, I mean, it's made a lot of people very, very wealthy, but you know, you could 
say that about like the gold rush of the 1800s in America. You could say it about all manner of things. That does not mean it's a kind of panacea investment that it's mm-hmm. perfect and is a sort of get rich quick thing. It might be, but it is insanely volatile. So, you know, you can see swings in the value of cryptocurrencies in the tens of percent. So, you know, you might lose half of your money in a week or three quarters or even 90% of your wealth if it's all in crypto in a very short period of time. Most people can't cope with those kind of swings. So it's at the minute, it's more akin to, uh, I don't want to say gambling because that, that's a little bit of a step too far, but it's certainly speculating rather than investing. That said, I think it's here to stay. Uh, I think it will go through lots of iterations yet because it is really as from the original white paper espousing it as a concept. I think that's only 11 years ago. So it's not a long time compared with the Steptoe stuff, the old fashioned things like property, shares, bonds, all that sort of stuff. These things have been around for centuries. And so we have a lot more to go on. So it, as ever, you know, people, uh, a lot of people might feel like they're potentially being left behind because it's you know mm. everybody's talking about crypto and the rest of the world seems to be going to hell in a handcart. So you know perhaps that you know the new thing is the thing. It ain't yet, and the world isn't going to hell in a handcart, at least not uh, financially speaking. So we'll perhaps come to that. But you know it isn't be all and end all with crypto. You got to you got to understand it, and it ain't easy to understand. I'll. Uh, speak from experience i've done a lot of reading um but there is some great websites um like coinbase and uh kraken both have really good uh like academies you know free courses about how how it all works so if you want to get into it it, oh it's a golden rule of investing have some understanding of what you're getting yourself into you don't have to to really know the proper intricacies (laughs) but you do at least need to know you know your ass from your elbow yeah yeah, and uh, there was a slight tongue-in-cheek in it, but in the sense that uh, we're not going to do a teach on crypto in this session. That's not the plan, so I'm not going to be picking your brains about what it is. I'm not the person for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've looked at it and sort of tried to learn, but it, it blows my mind when I look at it. So, But I also know that there are conversations that you hear, there's podcasts around, people bring it up, and there is sometimes this feeling, and I think this particularly ties in with the midlifer in the sense that, you know, you get to a stage in life where you think, perhaps I haven't done what I needed to do really in terms of the investing or saving, as we talked about in the last episode, you know, saving more prudently, um, yeah. investing. How do I catch up? And then you hear these things about crypto and what have you and, and feel like you're getting left behind. But also, is that a way to then sort of claw back some of that? And that those feelings, you know, you talk about managing people in the last episode, yeah. those feelings are genuine as well, you know? Yeah, they are genuine. Um, but choosing something untested to catch up with a perceived (laughs) being sort of a perception of being behind the curve because maybe you started late is akin to you know staying at the roulette wheel to make back what you've lost yeah it could go either way yeah so i'm not convinced that's the best strategy and actually there's other stuff we can do uh to catch up which are guaranteed (laughs) so we'll perhaps talk about those things like making the most tax relief and things like that free money from the government free money from employers all that sort of stuff this is the way to really accelerate returns and build wealth quickly so uh, we can get into all that yeah, and and I like the sound of those things straight away. Free money from the government, free free money from from employer. But I think yeah. So in terms of framing it, it is around you know I want to start to have um, to reshape my life, and part of that is to reshape my financial situation. So we talked about saving and paying down debt in the last episode. Now, if I am starting to then look at you know maybe I'm in my mid thirties, mid forties, heading into fifties, or even uh, you know, mm-hmm. into you know, mid fifties onwards, etc. We're, we're maybe starting at different points with perhaps a work pension scheme, a salary, projected retirement date, minimal savings. I'm kind of given a very rough yeah. thing. What what could we start to do that could start the ball rolling? Because I think one of the things is you can look at it and think, my God, where do I start? I just, this feels like such a big rock to push up the hill, you know. Yeah, no, it's a great question. You you got to start by knowing where you are because there's no way you can get to your destination unless you know what your starting point is, mm-hmm. right? If your potential starting point is anywhere on the globe and you've got to get to, I don't know, Monaco, 
<laughs> how do you plot a course? You know, you might be there already. So you have to know where you are first. And so this is a, it's easier than perhaps you might think, but if you're not particularly minded towards sort of managing paperwork and having to look at stuff, and let's face it, we'd all probably rather, you know, watch a sport or, you know, go walk the dog or anything than sit down for an hour and a half and look at what we've got and where we are you know then it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a pain but it's worth doing you have to do this really the, the answer to if you're of a mind where you're starting to think perhaps i haven't done what i ought to have done by now perhaps i need to now start taking it seriously your first step to taking it seriously is to grow up a little bit and say right i need to get a handle on where i am right now yeah and so most for most of us that'll actually be a lot simpler than we think so i mean we all know what we've got in the bank right um, I have, because I very often deal with quite wealthy people, I have occasionally come across clients who forget that they've got 50 grand stashed away at the Nationwide or something. But most ordinary mortals don't forget money in the bank. They, so we know what we've got in the bank, right? Mm -hmm. um, if we have money invested, so if we've got ISAs or whatever, premium bonds or something like that, then we'll probably know where they are as well. Because we should get statements, remember. We should get a statement at least every quarter if you've got an ISA. So it's only three months. So you've probably had something. And most of us these days, if we have investments at all, we can see it on an app on our phone. So that's fairly easy. Where the challenge comes very often is with pensions, because mm. if we've moved around and we've had three or four, half a dozen, a dozen jobs in our career so far, then that can be a bit of a pain. And so we got to kind of build a timeline. Who did we work for? And, you know, were we part of a pension scheme? We may not remember, but we might have to pick up the phone to you know the nhs pension schemes if we did a couple of years as a kitchen as a hospital porter or um or maybe if we were a teaching assistant or you know if we worked for bp or marks and sparks or whatever we need to think okay where did we work was there a pension scheme there was i a member of it and it'd be easy enough you know to google marks and sparks pension scheme and find a contact number and just give them a ring and say look this is my name and date of birth. I worked for Marks and Sparks between, you know, 2001 and 2003. Do I have any pension benefits there? And, you know, because it, very often people lose track of this stuff because they don't keep the schemes informed when they move house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Marks and Sparks still has your address from three houses ago. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> um, and you probably didn't have an email address in 2001, maybe. So, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, 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 we just kind of lose track and there's, billions i mean hundreds of billions kicking around in pension benefits that people have lost track of and it's yours oh sorry that's the friday morning fire alarm test at jackson's yeah. it'll stop very soon if i just keep talking over it then uh <laughs> it will be annoying. there you go there sorry about that it's the one pain of doing it at this time in the morning um so it, you know if you could just get hold of those companies and start to build a picture of what you might have so you know ring them up or drop them an email and saying please let me have an up-to-date statement of my benefits mm. they might ask you for proof of who you are you might have to send in a copy of your passport or you know utility bill showing your address and things like that you might have to give me a national insurance number but that's okay just uh start to build up and they will send you here are your pension benefits right mm. now for most people you know <laughs> that piece of paper might as well be written in greek because it'll give you a bunch of numbers they don't actually mean very much you know, it might be talking about what you might be worth when you're 60 or 65, but what does that even mean, really, if you're 45 now? But just collate the paper first, right? So you need to know where you're at. That's your first step. And then we need to start sort of thinking about what, what does it all mean and uh, sort of calculating some sort of trajectory of where we want to be. Yeah, so so that's that's good. And I think you're right. It, it's Except it's going to be uncomfortable. And to be fair, you know, I'm... I'm I'm probably thinking back to the, the state of play I would have been, although I spent the majority of my career in work as a police officer, so it was relatively simple. I also didn't have a clue, so I'm sure the majority of listeners out there will have more of a clue than I did. Um, but you're right, so it's just sit down, let's collect these things. And the fact that you move house as well and change jobs, you, it is very easy to lose track. You know, just, you, You've actually prompted me to think about, have I informed my police my, you know, police, my former employer, that I've moved house in the last few months. Certainly informed I got married last year, but I haven't, have I? So, you know, it's dead easy yeah. to do, isn't it? So It's, it's really easy to forget and yeah. just lose track, you yeah. know, particularly if you've done that two or three times. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So that audit process, 
it's kind of, I suppose it's what I talk about in terms of take the cabbage, you know, the cabbage is the worry, the pressure. Oh, I don't know where I'm at financially. Right, let's take and slice it down and then chunk mm-hmm. it into sprout-sized actions. So rather than think about where am I at and how far I've got to go, let's just take the first step and do a bit of an audit. Let's catch up with everything and then we can work yeah. out what it means as the next step. I could take you six weeks. It's fine. You know, there's no yeah. rush. You don't have to sort of get it all done in one day. It's it's about momentum and and sort of saying, right, okay, what companies have I worked for? I'm going to ring one of them a day this coming week, right? Say, just pick up the phone or send an email and it'll take you 10 minutes each time and then track the responses, you know? So, okay, I, you know, I emailed Martin Sparks Pension Scheme. They haven't got back to me. So perhaps I need to pick up the phone, track the response. I think we spend our lives doing that here, you know, on behalf of our clients, yeah. getting this information and tracking responses back because the you know some they can be very unresponsive these companies sometimes. But you'll eventually sort of have a reasonable picture of what you've got right now. Mm. Uh particularly with pensions, sort of interpreting that information to work out what the heck it all means at some arbitrary point in the future, which we might call retirement age, um, is the tricky bit. All right now, it's not impossible for the layperson. Uh, I've spent the last ten years of meaningful money sort of trying to help people to help themselves and not have to go to a financial advisor. Mm. You can work this stuff out yourself, but it does take a bit of time. So, uh, with pensions, essentially, there's there's two broad types. There's things like the police pension scheme, um, or the NHS, or the teacher scheme, or the fire service. These are called defined benefit pension schemes we used to call them final salary as well but actually final salary is a subset of defined benefit and as the name suggests uh you know what you're going to get at some point in the future you are promised a level of future income and it's a promise it's a guarantee right it's guaranteed by the scheme and certainly if you're in the public sector it's guaranteed by the government right so that's defined benefit they are the gold standard of schemes there's a reason why they've been closed across the board certainly in the private sector and even with the public sector they've been changed right the schemes have changed they've become less generous because they are ridiculously expensive to run Mm. by the schemes themselves there's no risk to you as the member because you've got this promise of a future income right you know what it's going to be and it's there the alternative to a defined benefit is called a defined contribution scheme or a money purchase scheme. And that's where you have a fund of money. You put in every month, the employer puts in, and it's invested and it grows. And at some point, you're going to have a pot of money. And when you come to retire, whatever that, whenever that is, you make some choices as to what to do with that pot. Mm-hmm. So these are two broad types. The defined contribution where you've got a pot of money, that's dead easy. It's a pot of money, right? You'll have a statement and it'll say your pot is worth £17,000. Right, okay, I can understand that, right? With the defined benefit stuff, it's a bit more tricky. You may need to talk to the pension department of the police or whatever and just get them to talk you through it. You may need to seek advice, but it is possible to understand this stuff if you just sit down and work through it, ask some questions. There's plenty of YouTube videos explaining how it all works as well. So take the time to really understand what this all means mm. and so now you know where you are right so that's kind of step one i think then we need to think about where we might like to be yeah. one day and start yeah. to project forward and that that's quite difficult sometimes yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> so if we're, we're talking about that process we catch we catch up with where we're at and I guess this depends on the age and where we're, we're thinking we, we would like to be at a, a projected time. So say, you know, early retirement, for example, or um, some sort of financial freedom, but continue to work, I guess is, you know, there's a, yeah. there's a number of different... There's a lot of variables there, right? Yeah, there so, yeah. yeah. So it might be that you want to quit your sort of main career, but you don't want to do nothing. Mm. So maybe the last 10 years of, you know, before state pension age uh is doing something much more chilled a lot less responsibility you know most of us you know many of us get to our sort of 50s and we're at the peak of our earnings power but also our responsibilities and the stress Mm -hmm. and pressure that comes with that maybe we just think you know i want to turn that off and i just want to drive a van i've got a mate who's just done that he did his whatever 30 years up in the police and he's he's um he's gardening yeah now you know still earning doing it on his own terms working when he wants and 
So, you know, maybe we want to do that. Maybe we want to do absolutely nothing. Maybe we want to play golf five days a week, right? Whatever. It's your life. And so we need to start to think about, okay, what would, if I could spend my days doing whatever I wanted, in a, you know, in the kind of realistic sense, you know, not, you know, on a super yacht in Monaco. That's the second time I've used <laughs> mentioned Monaco. Perhaps there's something there, but you know, not on a super yacht. You know, if you're any minimum wage, that ain't going to happen. So, you know, realistically, what would I like my life to look like? Mm. Um, I could spend my days doing what I wanted. What would they be? And actually, most people have fairly sort of ordinary goals for that. You know, I just like to go walking more. I'd like to spend a couple more days a week fishing or, you know, or have the time to spend with the grandkids or whatever. Mm. And just think that through. And it's actually a fairly short step, I think, then to say, okay, if I was doing that, is there any money coming in? If so, or if not, how much do I need to live on? So, and that, as with everything to do with personal finance, it comes down to income and outgoings. Mm. So. If your outgoings are a couple of grand a month and you now have no income coming in because you've stopped work and it's five years until your pensions kick in, you've got to say, well, where's the money coming from for that five years? Have I got enough set aside that I can draw off? Have I got enough in my bucket that I can open the tap and draw the water down from the bucket oh. to, to spend each month? And so it's not actually that difficult maths. Right, it might seem a bit daunting to people, but we all understand monthly in and out, right? So it, it comes down to a point where you say, right, I need a couple of grand a month to live. Where's that going to come from? Hmm. Well, in future, it might be my state pension. You know, there'd be a state pension kicking in. That's 175 quid a week. That's a good start. Um, my police pension, that might kick in at such and such an age. It might be in two different bits, right? And you start to build up a bit of a timeline of when money's coming in but then you think, well, actually, I'm earning four grand a month now. If I only need to really earn two grand a month, then that's okay. I can dial things back a bit. Maybe I can go part-time mm. and, and go fishing on the other days. And so this is essentially what I do, David, right? So I sort of try and tease this stuff out of people. What would they really like to do, mm. ideally? And what will it cost them? And then we look at where they are currently <laughs> with their finances and say, right, how do we get from A to B? Mm. And for most of us, that will simply be a question of putting aside a bit more mm. than perhaps we have done. Being a bit more intentional about how much we save each month and making the most of that money, which is, I think, where we need to sort of get into now. It's the, it's the making the best of the system to accelerate uh, and optimize your savings and investments. That's really the key and your pensions. Yeah, yeah, because in the last episode we or interview that we did, we, we were talking about how do you create, start that foundation, know your ins and outs and what have you. Um, and if we're, if we're looking at this potentially, you know, that I can see that three to five years is, my, is that shorter term goal. Yes, it might be 10 years plus before I actually officially retire, but I just want to be able in a position to just dial things down a bit. What do I need to put in place? So we, you talked about lifestyle drift and you know savings and that last last time, yeah, yeah. really really useful. Um, so you're right. So we then start to maybe free up some. Where do we put it? Where's the best place? And what's the best place to do that to give us that best opportunity to to achieve that? Say a five year goal. Yeah. So for most of us, we only need two accounts, right? Uh, so first, well. Maybe three. We need an emergency fund, so we need a, yep. a, a pot of money behind us. We talked about that last time. That's just so as not to have our finances completely derailed if something really kicks off. You know, boiler blows up or yeah. the car doesn't, you know, as a sort of catastrophic MOT failure and suddenly we've got to find 10 grand for a new car. So an emergency fund sort of puts a buffer between you and the world. So that's sort of the first thing you need to do. But after that, most of us just need a pension and a stocks and shares ISA. Right, okay. it doesn't need to be any more complex than that. So, if we are employed, there will be a pension at work, all right, and we should be in it. All right, it's the closest thing to a no brainer in finance, right? You should join your company pension. Why? Because your boss is putting money in for you, and if you're not in the scheme, they don't. So, you are literally giving up free money if you don't join the scheme. Yeah. Also, anything you put in, uh, if you're employed, usually how it works is. Uh, 
anything you put into a pension essentially comes off your salary and so you don't pay tax on it. So it's the equivalent of the government putting in either 20 or 40% for you, depending on whether you're a basic or a high rate taxpayer. So that's what I mean by free money. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if, you, if there's a workplace scheme, which there will be, just join it and put in as much as you can, basically. Um, look into something called salary sacrifice with the pension. So some employers offer this. Salary sacrifice is an agreement between you and your uh, employer. So let's say you're earning 60 grand, right, for relatively easy figures. Um, you could say to your employer, right, I want to give up 10 grand of that and put it straight into the pension. So now you're actually only technically earning 50. Obviously, your take-home pay will reduce a bit. Um, but the benefit for that, for the employer's point of view, is they save employers' national insurance. So you can have a conversation with them about putting that into your pension as well. So right. look, you've got to pay it anyway. So why don't you pay it into my pension? Many employers will do that. So that's even more free money. You know, it, it's... I mean, even if you're already in the scheme, sometimes switching to a salary sacrifice basis makes no difference to your take-home pay, but actually gets more put into your pension. So ask your pension uh, department at work, can I do a salary sacrifice arrangement? And then ask them, what would be my take-home pay if I sacrificed 5,000 a year, 10,000 a year, whatever. So these are very simple little things that don't get talked about enough, but can actually make a huge difference. So, I mean, you know, you could essentially get 100% on your return on your money because your employer is matching what you put in. And then there's a bit more on top of that because you're getting tax relief and stuff and maybe even employers' national insurance. And so suddenly you think, right, we talked about crypto right at the top of the show about, you know, get rich quick. Well, I don't actually know anywhere where you can put in 100 quid and it immediately potentially become 200 mm. literally overnight because your boss is matching it. It's not your money. It's theirs, right? So... Pensions are easily the most powerful tool, and they're the easiest way to accelerate your growth, right? The To save out of money that you've already been taxed on, so take-home pay, the best thing to do with that is if you've got any spare is to whack it in the stocks and shares ISA. Right. You could actually open a second pension yourself, a personal pension. You could do that. Remember, with pensions, the money is locked up until state pension age minus 10 years, right? It's actually 55 currently, but from 2028, it's going up to state pension age minus 10 years. So if your state pension age is 67, you can't access your pension fund until 57. So that might have an impact in your planning, because if you're thinking, actually, I'd really quite like to stop work at 52, right? most of us won't by any stretch, but you won't be able to access your pension. So you need some money outside of pensions mm -hmm. and the best place for that is a stocks and shares isa now you don't get any tax breaks for putting money in to a stocks and shares isa but it grows tax-free and it's tax-free when you take it out down the line so that's very beneficial as well um if you are under the age of 40 you need to consider what's called a lifetime isa which is a special subset of the isa thing where you get 25 percent bonus so you can put four grand a year in government will make it up to five again accelerating right with free money um but you have to be under 40 to open one and you can only pay into one until you're 50 and you can't access it till you're 60 so you know understand this stuff dig in a bit but really pensions and ISAs are where it's at man but they are just accounts right it, so what differentiates those is taxation and access right when you can get the money out but they're just accounts, they're pots, they're boxes, if you like. And what really matters is what's inside those boxes. And that's the underlying investments that we're in, right? So investing at its core is converting cash, which we use to spend and buy stuff, into assets, right? So if we think about this in a term that everybody understands, we think about property. If you buy a property, you mm. take money from your bank, and probably borrowed from the bank as well, and you convert it into bricks and mortar, right, in which you live. Well, inside a pension or an ISA, you're going to be buying assets like shares, bonds, property funds maybe, gold perhaps, a bunch of different stuff. These are called asset classes, and you use them to grow your money, right? And it will grow over time, but not in a straight line. And a lot of people shy away from this stuff because sometimes markets go down right? And sometimes asset classes go down. 
And so some people think, well, property never goes down. Well, it does actually. Mm-hmm. You know, you ask anybody in America in 2008, you know, they some of them saw 90% losses in the value of their properties. Mm-hmm. That was unusual. Property generally isn't a very volatile asset class, but it's not. It doesn't always go up, right? Very localized, depends where in the country you are. Stocks and shares, bonds, all that sort of stuff, which you do need to understand a little bit about, but don't need to really fully understand it. You certainly don't need an economics degree to invest. But your pension or your ISA will give you options. There'll be a particular at work, there'll be a, a bunch of options you can choose from. And, you know, you might need to sit down for an hour with a with a pint of beer or a glass of wine or whatever and just say, let me look at these. What do they mean? Let me try and understand them a little bit. The growth engine for making money grow is shares. Right, we sometimes call them equities, but that's been proven over decades, centuries even, to grow wealth over time. And as long as you uh, can stomach the ups and downs of it, it will grow over time. And so, really, if you distill this down, it's very simple: join your workplace pension. If you don't have one, if you're self-employed, open a pension and put money into it. You save that. You don't get the employer's benefit, obviously, because you haven't got an employer, but you do get the tax relief and open a stocks and shares ISA. They are just accounts. Inside them is the underlying investments, and it's that that's going to make you money, really. That's how you build wealth. There is nothing more to it than that, which is encouraging because anybody can do it. And it's never been easier, right, because of all these brilliant online platforms and stuff, which we can perhaps get into in a minute. So it's not more difficult than that, not really. Yeah, so just a couple of questions on that. Because um, you said that we you can look at the... Do you mean within the pension and the ISA, the stocks and shares? Yeah, you can look. Yeah, you can look at the funds, and you can yeah. choose. You have a. Do you have an element of choice in that? Yeah, yeah, very much so. But most people don't exercise that choice. Most people right. just go into the default, particularly in the workplace pension. Right. I should say this is not those defined benefit schemes yeah. like the yeah. pension. That's done for you. Forget about that. Right. Just join it. But if you're in a money purchase or de- defined contribution scheme where you're building up a pot. Uh, you will definitely have some options inside that as to where you invest. Most people don't exercise that option. They just go into the default, right, which may be all right, but you could probably do better. So ask your pension company for a list of available investment options, right? right? That list might have six options on it. It might have 600, right? And obviously that gets a bit confusing then, right? But that might be a point at which you need to, you know, seek advice or join an online community. I mean, I've got a Facebook group with nine and a half thousand people in it who are like so switched on and so helpful. It's ridiculous. And maybe you could say, Hey, my workplace pensions with Royal London, I've got 600 options of how can I invest? Where on earth do I start? And you'll have a bunch of really helpful <laughs> comments and, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's a lot easier, uh, Obviously, it's easier for me to say with 20-odd years' experience than it is for somebody who just doesn't know anything about this stuff. But it's not impossible to learn. In fact, it's easy to learn. You just have to want to do it. Mm. But those that really make this stuff work are those that grab the bull by the horns and say, I'm going to bend my money to my will, right? I'm not just going to kind of hope the system looks after me. I'm going to you know, really take initiative here, be intentional about what I do, and find out the best way to put my money to work. And yeah, it, you know, it might not be a natural bent, but it's totally worth the time and effort because this is yeah. your future we're talking about. Quick reminder to join the fledgling Restless Midlifer community and to receive early access to the discounted Readventure Program Academy and to sign up to the free regular updates, tips, tools, and strategies to help you regroup, reshape, and redesign your own midlife adventure. Head over to the restlessmidlifer.com see it's interesting isn't it i mean i suppose like i say i am clueless clearly but learning and i did had no idea i guess because my the police pension is that deferred yeah defined benefit yeah defined benefit then no choice in it but i'm sure there's many people who are in the other kind of pension who don't necessarily appreciate that they've got that choice or kind of maybe knew at the time they were putting you know switching into it but yeah but when passed, you know, over the head. Yeah. Another thing with pensions is, you know, we talked about kind of losing track and, and getting back up to speed. There's real merit very often in consolidating. So you can actually transfer a bunch of old pensions into a new, into your current one. 
massively simplifies your life and reduces your paperwork. It's a bit of a pain to get done, but it's, it, well, it's not really. But, it, you know, it could seem as if it might be hard work, but actually it's a brilliant way of tidying things up. I'm a massive proponent of simplicity when it comes to, yeah. to finances, and I see all the time people with six, eight, ten pensions from previous employments and one of the first things we do is we tidy them up let's, let's just make sure we're not losing anything by sort of tidying them up but yeah. very rarely that's the case and let's tidy them up because it then it's a lot easier to engage with this stuff right if it if you know where everything is so it's a bit of a process that is it that's actually one of the questions that i had so, you know from um listeners was there is, i've seen you know apps that promote this combined yeah. pulling together of pensions and not knowing enough you don't know is that a gimmick is it a this what is it and it, but it sounds like there's something in that then there really is so there's some brilliant ones uh you know like pension b is a great one there yeah. they're sort of pension specialists and they will help you sort of consolidate and it's a you know it's a decent system that remember pensions just an account right a pension they're all much the same with the exception of your like defined benefit police type schemes but defined contributions they're all much the same so you might as well just tidy them up it makes it a lot easier for you and then you're more likely to engage with it and you know you've like it fortunately we've never lived at a better time for options for what to do with your money mm. the problem with having multiple options is that can sometimes it can lead to inertia because we think well where the hell do i start yeah so there's you've got your complete done for you options like pension b or you've got platforms where you can fully diy right right and so you choose you know if you want if you're new to this stuff get it done for you but in that process learn about how it works keep an eye on it and and then maybe think okay maybe actually i'll I'll take on i'll take this on a bit more myself down down the line educate yourself read some books and mm. you know watch some youtube channels and yeah. um and learn about it but it's actually very easy to get it all done for you right ah, it's, it's interesting so that ties in then i guess with actually looking at the pension scheme itself and seeing what the options are in that and i guess the, the other question that um came through and it's certainly one i have is is around what on what basis are you choosing is it your level of risk tolerance is it because you've got potentially ethical you know you you want you know those kinds of reasons what 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 basis for making these choices yeah yes and yes to all those right (laughs) so um as you can imagine i mean there's there's tons of different options and that can again make it difficult to know where to start um the problem with risk tolerance is that most people haven't got a clue what that means or certainly what it means in, in practice. Yeah. So you might answer 10 questions on a questionnaire, but if you've never invested before, how are you supposed to answer those questions? Mm. You know, I've seen questionnaires which, which say things like, um, when speaking with your friends, how would you say they would describe your tolerance for investment risk? And I'm just thinking, who has conversations about investment risk? <laughs> <laughs> right he's been not somebody i'd want to have dinner with put it that way mm. you know and so you know and we've had to do it as an industry our regulator asks us to put somebody who's never invested a bean before basically through an exam answer these 40 questions about your risk tolerance so that i know how to invest your money well it's utter nonsense risk ultimately comes down to um time scale so the longer you have to invest over the more comfortable you should be with taking risk. Okay. So, and and to simplify, but basically to distill it to what really matters, more equities, more shares in a portfolio means more risk, means more growth, right? So I preach on meaningful money, something called multi-asset investing, which is it's the easiest way to do it. I should say I'm the world's laziest investor, right? You might think I have a super intricate portfolio. I really really don't because it bores me out of my score and I don't want to manage it, right? So I have picked in my own pension analysis, I've got um, multi-asset funds. They are off-the-shelf funds, which in a single fund spread your money across like 15,000 companies all across the globe. So it's done for you, right? It's a built off-the-shelf portfolio. Pretty much every pension will have an option like that, right? So look for uh, portfolio funds. Um, look for words like uh, balanced, managed, maybe, or adventurous. Right? They do try to name them. 
And then they tried to be a bit fancy and start using words like dynamic. And what the hell does that mean? Or conservative? Yeah, okay. So when choosing funds, timescale is a factor. So if you're 45 and not going to retire from 65, 20 years is a long time investing. You can do well over that period. If you're 60 and want to retire at 65, then that would be a factor. That's a much shorter timescale. So maybe you want to take a bit less risk. But I do think the closer you get to retirement, there is more benefit from seeking professional advice. I realize that might seem a bit self-serving, but I've spent my life saying to people, look, when building wealth, it's about saving as much as you can and basically buying, investing in equities, yeah. right? My buddy Andy Hart says, really the sort of proven way to build wealth is with businesses and bricks, shares and property. Right. Very simple, business in bricks. We can all remember that, right? So remember, if you buy shares, uh, you know, using these funds, then you'll do okay given enough time. But the closer you get to retirement, the more options you've got, the more intricate it is, the more the risk profile thing comes into play. And so it, there's real benefit, I think, in seeking professional advice at that point. Uh, you mentioned ethical. Uh, that's just exploded in in since the pandemic, really. Finally, I think people have realize that we might be sort of reaping the, the rewards, if you like, of our abuse of the planet over centuries. Um, and so how can we do that? Well, investing along an ethical ground, it's a properly big subject that, and it's, uh, you know, you can avoid the bad stuff. So a lot of people say, look, I don't want to invest in armaments or tobacco or, you know, pornography or anything that has, you know, any kind of sort of dodgy supply chain, you know, sort of kids in sweatshops in Bangladesh or whatever. I want to avoid all that sort of stuff. Sometimes it's environmental stuff. I want to avoid fossil fuels. I want to encourage uh, green energy, all that sort of stuff. And the problem is that that's unique to each individual. Yeah. So you might, you know, they're, they're, but there are more ethical investing options than ever, but that's going to require you to do a bit more homework. Yeah. Right, because it's very very specialist and and uh, and unique to you. So you need to find out what's most important to you. I kid you not. I once had a client walk into my office and say, "I don't care where you invest my money, just not in France." <laughs> That's the weirdest niche little thing. <laughs> All right, okay. Obviously, some French person's really annoyed him in the past, and he, like, but you know that was his thing. So um, I showed him the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting, though, isn't it? Because it, I, I think when we're coming at this perhaps for that having had some of these things taken care of through work and, and your news track over the years, you don't realize that perhaps you have this level of choice. And then in the choice, being careful not to be overwhelmed, you just break it down and you can look, you can you can start to take on. I like that the the, the idea of the the managed funds, the the use the phrase again. Do you want to use that phrase again for the the the, the yeah, sort of, I call them multi-asset yes. port, portfolio funds. It Port just means they've got different kinds of stuff, yeah. and it's done for you. Yeah. Right? Shares, bonds, property, all kinds of stuff, all in one pot. Yeah. Um, there's some great examples. Uh, the most well-known example is, is by a company called Vanguard. Uh, they have a range called the Life Strategy Range. A great place to start. It's not. I'm not allowed to recommend, though, folks, so do your own research. But HSBC, LNG, Fidelity, there's tons of these out there now, and I bet you there will be a multi-asset option inside your pension and your stocks and shares, I see. you just got to find it. Maybe pick up the phone and speak to somebody. Right? So, uh, But it's done for you. Yeah. Yeah, great. Do you know what's, what's funny? Over the course of conversations, not just in finance, but um, in, in different areas of life, you know, health, finance, um, fulfillment work, that kind of thing, and also my own sort of work with lots of people over the years, there is, it, there's, there's a phrase, isn't there, in, in business that complexity sells. And actually, that's what can lead to overwhelm. But when we come back and we just have that little bit of information, that foundation, it can really help to sort of say, hang on a second, let's just keep it simple. And you're not necessarily losing out by simplicity. Talk about Definitely that. not. Fitness in, in planning a direction of travel for your life and finance as well. And what's reassuring for me is that we can strip away that because – you know, I know when I, you know, the, the number of stages in my, you know, from 35, then it was 40, then 45, there was stages that I can definitely remember. My head was felt like it was about to explode with a lot of this stuff. Mm. And over the years, as I've shaped the sprout sweating approach, you know, breaking things down, it feels like there is that, I don't want to be too general, like universal truth underneath it, but all that if we just- Oh, there is. 
There is some there- simple steps. Let's not clutter our head and let's not panic. And I'm prone to that, you know. So yeah. it's more reassuring. Do, do you know what I mean? Good. I'm glad. I hope so. The kind of catch line, if you like, of Meaningful Money has always been everything you need to know and everything you need to do. So ever since I started the Meaningful Money project, the videos, and then most particularly in the podcast, yeah, I've always said, right, okay, whatever we're talking about, let's say it's pensions, right? Let me give you everything you need to know first, but none of the stuff you don't need to know. Because most of us have very simple needs, right? And then let's give you everything you need to do, but none of the stuff you don't need to do. Just let's try and distill it. So I spent like 11, 12 years now trying to distill this stuff to a level that applies to the most people. Um, so I have an academy. I'm not pitching here, but yeah, I have an academy where I, I've tried to go even further on that. And then there's a community built, built around that and there's courses and stuff. Yeah. And you know, I'm relentlessly trying to simplify. And it, it's not easy because everybody's situation is unique. Yeah, Everybody's in a particular pension scheme, you know, operated by their employer or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what the options are with that scheme because it's different from all the other ones. And so, you know, it's about empowering people, but simplicity is absolutely not a uh, sort of disability or a, um, a drag on your wealth building efforts. Quite the reverse, primarily because if it's simple, you'll stick with it. <laughs> Certainly, I'm speaking from my experience, right? If it's too complicated, I just can't be honest. I just like, I, I'm not going to be able to G myself up to sit down and take the time. So sometimes when we're getting this stuff sorted for the first time, it will feel complex, but the whole goal is to simplify because once it's simple, then we, then we're off to the races and it's actually now it's set up and it's simple. All I have to do is to put in as much money as I can. Yeah. And then it gets exciting because you see it growing quicker. Yeah. And all that stuff. yeah. And I love that. And I, and I think this is, this is, this is, I guess the constant message of the, the, what was a sprout sweater and is now the restless midlife is this idea of find those things that we can, that fit with our life that we can start to set in place and then hopefully set and forget, you know, that whether it's a health mm. habit, oh, yeah. financial habit, etc. And I have one little question, but it is a shout out for you, for your podcast. Um, so don't, don't be embarrassed about the, the Facebook group or the, the Academy because, um, you know, check them out. Everybody, please do. I, I, I love the podcast. And if you, haven't already because of the last episode then then check into that the meaningful money podcast it is brilliant and i listened to i listened to all the episodes but one of them was recently was the fella from Sprive, yeah um Genesis. about mortgage now this gets into another aspect of you know and i know that this has come up a few times on the podcast of, of should i should i invest or should i pay my, my mortgage off sooner you know that kind of thing and it caught me spry i mean you you'd be able to explain it a little bit better but it's about overpaying on the mortgage to bring about you know earlier yeah settlements. So, it, it, do you want to just give me a little bit more about that because that's something that might flag up for some people as well yeah so i mean we talked about building wealth but obviously if there's debt then you know paying that down is also makes sense but most of us are doing that anyway particularly with mortgages we mm. talked last time about bad debt yeah. i think you yeah. know store cards overdrafts personal loans uh car finance this is stuff which usually is way too expensive mm. um but mortgages are different most of us want to be mortgage free by the time we retire i heard the other day which i didn't realize that most sort of youngsters getting mortgages these days the average term is 40 years yeah. so a lot of people are going to be paying mortgages when they retire yeah. unless they overpay and overpaying is really literally about just adding a bit extra off your mortgage every month, you know, subject to you being able to afford to do that. But it makes a huge difference uh, to bring it down uh, quicker. So interest rates are low still. They may rise. They're starting to rise a little bit. Um, so there's a mathematical argument to say, well, actually, if your interest rate is low, you're borrowing cheaply and you can perhaps put, let's say you add a couple hundred quid a month extra that you didn't need to use um should you use it to overpay your mortgage or should you invest it mathematically you should invest it you'll almost always be better off doing that but there is real emotional psychological benefit in paying down your mortgage quicker and you know even though i'm kind of a numbers guy i'm actually much more a people person and so most people i say just pay down your mortgage don't worry about the the maths because it feels good right and of course then once you've paid it off you've got more money every month and then you can really start to build but Sprive is just one example of a whole bunch of little apps which kind of do this stuff for you. So it, it goes it uses the open banking protocols. 
to speak to your bank account, understand your say, your spending patterns, and to identify when you can put an extra 10 quid against the mortgage or whatever, yeah. you know, and it, yeah, and it, and it so kind of gamifies it as well. So um, he had hundreds of people sign up after that, um, yeah. after yeah. that podcast episode and yeah, doing great work. And there's a bunch of stuff like that. There's, there's similar equivalents for saving and investing. Yeah. Um, uh, one Plum was Plum. one. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. Plum, and, I listened to ages ago on your podcast and got it and, and got into it. But then with my bank and, and I'm looking in the process of shifting, they severed the connection. Right. It's a great little thing. You, I mean, yeah. you'd be better explain It's the same thing. It does yeah. exactly the same thing. It, you know, tracks your spending as you go through. And yeah. it, it says, well, actually, you know, you've got 300 quid left in your bank account and you're getting paid in five days. So let's stick 50 quid in your investment. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, I, I don't think you're going to spend all that 300 quid. So let's stick. You can always pull the money back out. And Sprive does that. It puts it into a kind of holding account. And then you can press the button and pay it against the mortgage. Yeah. So you can get it back out if you need it. Yeah. If you know, if the app doesn't know that you've got, you know, your best mate's fiftieth birthday coming down the line, and you're off on a blowout on the weekend, you don't want that money going in your mortgage, and instead you, you know, uh, want to have a good weekend with it. So you can always pull the money back and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, but I love this this stuff. It just makes it easier than ever to make good financial decisions and almost put them on autopilot. Yeah, and it plays to the psychology of you know what you see in your bank account. If you if you're like me, it burns a hole in your. <laughs> Pocket, so yeah, you know, and that was a habit to unlearn and still unlearn it. It's it's it plays that trick on you that it takes it away. Mm-hmm. So you're still looking at a bottom line. It's just different, and you adapt your mind to what you have available. And you you kind of you can play the game of forgetting what's in that pot, and then get a treat when you look at it. So that gamifying bit, it's quite it's fun. It was fun yeah. to look at me little plum account and think, oh wow, where how did you get to that? You know, yeah. So and even so, like this, particularly the challenger banks, but some of the you know, more traditional banks are getting into this sort of stuff as right. well. And you can have pots. So yeah. it kind of hives it off your current account mm. still in there, but it, it becomes unavailable. My, both my girls uh, use this so they can just say, right, I'm going to put under quid into that pot. And, and it, it re- removes it from being available to spend. And mm. it just makes it easy rather than having to actually have separate physical accounts. A lot of these banks now will enable you to set up these pots sort of systems. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we need to use these technological tools to our advantage so a, a method of sort of automating and leveraging up all this stuff just to to make a, a better difference more quickly yeah and absolutely and it ties into the idea of the the just trying to sort of that restless midlife trying to reshape life because you could you could then use that money to pay off the mortgage or pay down to a mortgage or invest or it could be a little adventure pot or your little side hustle yeah, yeah. out, you know, whatever the, totally. the, the things that you want to play with and, and get more playful in that respect. Take care of the basics and, and then, you know, have have that playful approach to it because there is something different. You know, what struck me last time when we talked about this, the emergency account was that's what made the difference in me paying down my big debt was putting aside that little fund so that I didn't derail myself. There is something about just getting it out of sight, having it yeah. there, for various lit reasons. So the idea of little pots as well is really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Having that buffer between you and the world, actually funny how the universe works very often, uh, means that actually less stuff goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even if it, uh, even if it, it doesn't, it feels like it's not such a thing, you know, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Huge. On on your car and you actually have some money in the account rather than thinking, where the hell am I? Right. I'm going to have to do this, that and the other. Well, yeah. Or stick on a credit card. Yeah. In the early months of the pandemic, I had so many emails from people saying, thank God you told me to (laughs) do an emergency fund because my salary is just, I'm on furlough and I'm 20%. I'm only 20% less than I was. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Thank God you told me to do it. Thank God I listened and did it. (laughs) Having that buffer is, I mean, it just releases so much stress. It's, It's ridiculous. And the similar effect from simplifying your affairs, getting on top of them, there is nothing worse, I don't think, for your sort of like the psychic weight, you know, the pressure and stress. Even if it's not conscious, it weighs on us. There's nothing worse than kind of thinking we need to be doing something for our future, but not really getting around to it. You know, I'm like that with work here, right? If I've got a piece of work that I need to do for a client, I promise them to do it. And I'm just not getting to it. It weighs on me, right? Anything we know we need to do, but we're not getting to is a huge uh, psychological factor. So if we can just start the process, that's why I said ring one company a day. Yeah. 
you, you feel like you're moving forward and that just is good for the soul man yeah oh absolutely there's a phrase that i think i've distorted from david allen's um quote yeah, but if it's on your mind it has your mind and these mm. things even no matter how much you push them to the back of your mind they still they still yeah chew away at you and that sort of getting it off your mind either into a you know into a to-do list a plan or whatever automating this making that one phone call gives you that sense of I'm doing something or I've got that taken care of. And that is a massive, massive thing. And we talk, when I talk about midlife, it's, it isn't just about the practical things about creating an adventure. It's about getting your head back, regrouping and capture, you know, freeing that psychological or cognitive load up. And, and it's such a massive yeah. thing. And that's why I think finances, well, it is, isn't it? I mean, you've got, you've got key areas of life that are so important and do affect your well-being. So relationships, uh, career and fulfillment, um, health and financials. And know that there'll be others as well, but I think those are critical areas, aren't they, for that? Yes, they are, definitely. So uh, it's been fantastic. It's been great to talk about, and, and to be honest, I've learned a lot myself. I'm sure that I'm sure there'll be listeners out going, "Whoa, I didn't know that." I'm, I'm picking up the phone to my uh, pension provider, or, or yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, make those practical steps. Uh, any parting thoughts or, or calls to action from your side? I've already shouted yeah. out for the podcast. Do that. Everybody. Yeah, cheers. I did um, the podcast feed. Yeah, I did um, I did a series uh, basically on checklists. I think it was season 19 or something. And it might be worth linking to that because, and I also did a series of ultimate guides where I tried to sort of give people everything in one podcast episode. So they're a little bit longer, maybe 40, 45, 50 minutes, but I tried to really sort of go all in on a particular subject. So check out those. So there's the ultimate guide season, which I think is um, season 18. And there's a, a season called the power of checklists where you know and there, there's like giveaways uh, on those as well so you can download the checklist and right okay i'm going to work through this um yeah and just decide you're going to help yourself right and decide you're going to take this stuff seriously and move forward with it and in so doing you know just take a huge weight off your mind yeah. and if you want to i mean the the, the meaningful money facebook group like i say there's nine 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 and a half thousand people in it and they're all super helpful and it's obviously it's free right so just I mean, that's a great place to start. Brilliant place to ask questions. Mm. People with no agenda in there. Nobody's selling you anything. It's, you know, and they're really, really helpful. And obviously, if you really do want to take it much more seriously and be um, really sort of focused and try to move forward really quickly, my academy, MeaningfulAcademy.com is, is the sort of next level place to do that. That's where I wanted to sort of say, okay, uh, this is not advice. I'm not advising you as individuals, but you do get access to me right. on a sort of live Q&A call. You can fire any questions at me anytime. Um, and there's a bunch of videos in there and workbooks to work through and all that sort of stuff. So that that's kind of, uh, you know, I, I want to give it all away for free, but there's so much information that sometimes it's hard to find what you want and the academy is much more distilled, really. That's that's the point. So there's a cost for that. But it's fairly nominal, relatively, certainly compared to the benefit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The, the the stepping in the sort of investing some money into that means that you are it does focus you to to do the work yeah because yeah. um well that that's a big step so it's about the right time for that it might not be right for you now you know you've got other work to sort out first but yeah, yeah i think there's yeah. definite definite value in that so yeah you can make massive progress for free with this yeah. stuff definitely yeah. brilliant well thank okay. you for your time yet again peter has been brilliant no worries been great and again what i'll do obviously any feedback or questions i'll, I'll filter through um i won't be cheeky enough to ask you for a part three but uh, we'll see how we go I, I don't mind man and if you want to do it then pick a subject and i'm all for that as long as it's not about crypto <laughs> no 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 that that's something i think you've you've pretty put it in its place really it, it's something that for most of us is not really something we need to to worry about you might want to play with if it's like 100 quid just have play if that's yeah, the yeah. case but let's just focus on what really you know the step to I, when i said step to crypto i never really thought about step to representing the older stuff which you know yeah. there you <laughs> go. i would uh, put a, a trademark on that mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thank you very much it's brilliant and for everybody no, listening I... there'll be show notes there'll be links we'll we'll find those links to those particular seasons did you say the checklist one was a season that as well the yeah uh, yeah both seasons so right. I'll, I'll send you the links great we'll do that and um, links to facebook group to the academy to your to you and your work and people can get in touch direct but um it's been brilliant and thank you very much pete it's been more. always a pleasure Dave. so we'll catch Thanks everybody me, next time just take care and re-adventure your life and uh, we'll we'll catch you in the next episode 
thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links, and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot, and I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star, by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier, and more meaningful midlife. Gory Adventure.